Cold Stove Podcast NRD. I'm here in beautiful Austin, Texas today. It's 78 and sunny for the first time all year. How are you ahead of this trade deadline? Uh, I'm doing well, Brett. I saw sunlight for the first time these past couple of days. Uh, in a very they let you out of the they let you out of the bad cave very briefly. I had to scurry back in there quickly, but having a good time. Got to watch some live hockey. I won't say where, but I got to watch some live NHL hockey over the past couple uh, couple of days, and it's a good thing, right? We're starting to get to that time of year where it's exciting. You want to go, I want to scout these guys myself because, you know, showcase season is in effect. Everybody's showcasing a player. And we'll uh we'll have a good one today. Exciting. Or in the case of or of in the case of Montreal, uh it's bubble wrap season. Could also and ben be, you can sit, guys. The uh the the defenseman will not be playing another game for the Montreal Canadiens. I think that is safe to say. But I want to lead off this podcast, a little uh little clean up here i will not do not let me spend more than two minutes on this starting the timer in three two one start the clock jack eichel fallout from the conversation we had everybody's had etc it's on chicklets it's on after the whistle it's on merrick and for yeah yeah judge comments after the vegas game i went pretty hard uh i sort of blacked out it was an old school will ferrell situation here's the deal here's the deal I'm not going to double down. I don't have the time to double down, but I am standing by my take that if you boo Jack, you are wrong. Maybe misguided is the better word there. I did mention that last time, but you are misguided. And the reason I say that is the biggest thing. If you knew the underlying problem was Jack, that stadium would still be packed because the cancer's out of the locker room. We're going forward with the guys that we have, et cetera. If you know the underlying problem is the Pagulas top down, that stadium has 5,000 people in it, which has been the case all season. Sort of end of end of story there. I love the Sabres. I love the Sabres fans. But we all know where the real problem is, and that is the top in ownership. Jack did everything he can. Now, Craig told a story on After the Whistle where it makes Jack look like an asshole. Can't, can't deny that story. I mean, that's an absolute dick move. But I think that is where a lot of the animosity comes from with big events, big stories like that. And and to Craig's credit, absolutely, I'd, I'd be furious. But I know Jack better than that, and that is a one-off to me. Now, I think the narrative built up over the years on Jack from the top down and from in the media, uh, some dinosaurs like Buffalo News writers, perhaps, that's where the entitled prick stuff comes from. I don't think you're an entitled prick if you're frustrated in interviews over a course of seven years. I don't think that makes you an entitled prick. By all accounts, from what I know, he's a good dude. He's a good dude at the beach. He's a good dude to trainers. He's a good dude to um, the community. He's a hell of a hockey player. And he has an ego. A fragile ego, sure. But he's a good dude at the core. And... When you have an ego, which he does, when you have a lot of responsibility placed on you from an early age and a captaincy placed on you and you don't have the resources around you to do something with that, your fuse is going to burn a little quicker than others. So I understand why the Sabres fans, I understand why they boo because they said, you don't want to be here. We don't want you to be here, okay? That's the one argument I will I will concede, fine. It's a prideful group. 
I know. I'm one of them. But I do not understand how you get there otherwise. Because any other reason you boo, and, and honestly, the root of that reason comes from up top. And NRD, you stated that it would have been perfect if they were playing the Jack video and they all turned around at the owner's box or on Zoom from Boca, wherever the fucking Pagulas were for that night, and booed them, just, just booed them into oblivion. That would have been the perfect ending to the saga. And now it's a rivalry. Fine. Great. Good for hockey. You were in the bonus time, but I let you go because I knew there was praise of me coming at the end of this. So Yeah, of I course. Of course. Of course. But I just I needed to I needed to get that out there that if if any Sabres fan felt disrespected by me calling them a fucking loser, that probably was too far. Do I still think you're misguided in how you got there? And because you say Jackson entitled prick on Twitter a thousand times, that makes him an entitled prick? No. You think he's an entitled prick because what you read, and what you read becomes comes predominantly from two guys who think everybody under thirty is an entitled prick. Frankly, so let's uh, let's full circle that one, get some closure, and best of luck to Jack. Best of luck to the fledgling Sabers who, NRD, I don't know if you see this, are on a bit of a roll, beating uh, their two Stanley Cup games, Colin, this year, their two playoff games this year, one against Vegas at home and the other against Toronto in the Heritage Classic in Hamilton. Cool little ballpark there, cool little football stadium. Yeah, I thought it was cool. It sat like 27,000 or so, which is nice. It's about as yeah, intimate kind of as in, you can get for an outdoor hockey game, which is cool. Yep, real cold, uh, a little snow involved. Everybody always wears the, the jerseys. I actually did something, NRD, that I've never or I haven't done in years. And I bought the Sabres Heritage Classic jersey. Oh, wow. I saw them. Literally, I was sitting on Twitter at a, uh, at a bar in Dallas this weekend. And um, I saw them, and I saw them in action. And I went on the store, and I bought the, you know, the authentic jersey. Now, here's the catch, though. I didn't get a name on it or a number. And no, I didn't do Merriman number 12. But here's a take. I'm, I'm leaving it open for interpretation, to be honest. Here's a take. And I'm going to piss off like 35% of our fan base. So okay. I hope you stick with okay. us after this one, folks. You're going to say you don't like names and numbers on jerseys. Unless you're under the age of like 15. Okay. You know what? It's fair. Hockey's one of the only sports where you can rep a blank jersey. Baseball being the other one, I think. Well, I think what I want to do with it is this is going to be the ultimate. Like that. I, I want to shadow box it and put it in my office. Like That's what I want to do with that jersey. I don't, I really don't have any, like, I don't think I'd, I'm going to wear it to a game. I'm just not a jersey to a game guy. I like to dress a little, you know, it's like an event. I dress yeah. up a little bit. But I Brett's want to be down, able to look at that. Some jeans and some no, 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 no. I'm not a corporate guy. No, no, no. I try to toe the line between, you know, fashion and upscale corporate. But I, I don't plan on wearing the jersey, but I do want to put it up in my office because it's objectively an awesome jersey and there needs to be more cream, off white, you know white tan uh old school looking wool jerseys or cotton jerseys in sports yeah, and it's a good reminder of a big game that the buffalo sabers won considering they haven't won too many in the past 10 years um okay okay <laughs> anyway that that aside nrd uh, you've heard enough of my voice what do you think of the matthews cross check on darlene which then um uh what, what am i then response from dylan cousins was to pile drive Austin Matthews 
Yeah, well, you get what you deserve. There's consequences for your actions. Not only is the consequence off the ice with the suspension, there's consequences on the ice, right? So mm-hmm. two games, I think it's fair for Austin Matthews. Me too. I'll say that. Perfectly fair. Perfectly fair. He's not a guy that very, goes very, out there. Very rarely are we like, we, they nailed that. They nailed that. Not a guy that goes out there and hurts people. Also, from a marketing standpoint, it's not a great look when you're one of the best American-born superstars in the game is getting suspended for cross-checking somebody in the face. So, sure. hey, he hasn't done it too much. We don't really want him out that long. Two games. I think that's fair. But, like I said, there's consequences on the ice, too. And Cousins' pal drove him. Mikheyev was... Going after Cousins, it was fun at the end of that game. That was exciting. To yeah, see. so did so did Bunting, Bunting too. As well, yeah, I mean, the two of them. I, that was that was fun. I think the fact that okay, like nobody got hurt. Let's let's start with that. So nobody got severely injured. Mm-hmm. So that's why we can kind of comment on things like this to see Cousins stand up for Darlene. To see Darlene get a little bit of fire um, with Matthews. To see Bunting stand up for Matthews going at Cousins and to see Cousins put a big hit on a star player, a legal, a totally legal big hit. I think sort of everybody wins, no? No, I think that was one of the most exciting outdoor games we've had in a very long time. Yeah. I really do. From start to finish. I mean, it was close. Snow in the wind picked up. We were getting that that side change 10 minutes in that they like to do in the, Mm -hmm. uh, the outdoor cold ones. But really entertaining game. Something that we haven't seen in outdoor games for a really long time. I like the fact that, like I said, in, limited to you know twenty seven thousand intimate venue there up at what was it, Timmy Horton's Field, right in Hamilton. Yeah, oh yeah. There you go. Shouts to the Timbits. The big, the big cup of Joe. There you go. Roll, roll um, up the rim. Two um, two last things there that I liked with that game is that when Cousins was he got the game misconduct with you know not enough time to serve the penalty box, etc. He he instead of walking to the locker room to get warm, he stayed and watched the end of the game on the uh, on the side of the boards like he was twelve. You see that? That's fun. That's what it's about. Love that. Means the Sabres are coming together a little bit. What I hated was when Terry Pagula walked down to talk to him. And it was him and, and Pagula on the boards watching the end of the game. I was like, no, 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 no. You're ruining Get him out of there. You're yeah, ruining Get him the out of there. Go back to Boca. There you go. Anyway, that's my Buffalo Sabres minute to start the podcast NRD. I apologize. Not a minute times 10. It's all good. Um <laughs> No, but, you know, it was an entertaining game. Now we got an entertaining week ahead of us, right? A couple players sitting out. We got some big matchups tonight that could determine where things are going. One matchup I'm looking at, I don't even know if we have this baked in that we want to start the show with, but Toronto's starting a rookie in net tonight against the Dallas Stars in Dallas. That is Mr. Sheldon, and that means that things aren't going well in Toronto, I'd say. I, I, I guess if... If Jack Campbell and Peter Morazic are not starting the game, something has happened, right? Something in the form of Jack Campbell being injured and the other thing being that Peter Morazic has not played very well. So I don't think it's a, uh, a crazy thing to say that the Leafs are looking out for help, but where are they looking, NRD? They're looking at the goaltender market and the defensive market. On the goaltending market, we know where things stand with Marc-Andre Fleury. Greg Wyshynski of ESPN, I think, said it really well today on Twitter that it's 50-50. He's kind of, he has a de facto no movement clause. He actually doesn't have a no movement clause. That's what's so great about this whole thing. Chicago is just honoring the legend that he is and letting him choose sure. his next destination. And it's 50-50 on it, whether, whether he stays or goes. Right now, Toronto, he doesn't want to end up in Toronto. Not saying that can't change in the next six days here before the deadline. But it's caused the Leafs to look elsewhere. It's not going to be Braden Holpe now with the Anton Kudobin, you know, surgery. 
Leafs are going to hold on. Yeah, that's that's dead in the that's water. That's done. So that so the, the so the Dallas Stars went from having four goalies to two to two goalies and Klingberg as a trade asset to Klingberg staying and Pavelski, and, uh, staying Pavelski well. for that yep. matter. But they're so, but they're making a run, and that's what that's <laughs> what matters. Absolutely, yeah. And that's why on this show, you know, you can go back to some of our early November episodes where we talked about the Dallas Stars goaltending situation, and that's why I said you only move one, if any, because it's so important. Agreed. And that was pre-COVID getting better, right? That we still had a taxi squad in play then. So you need as many goaltenders as, you know, many NHL caliber goaltenders as possible in your organization. And look what happened. We went from four to two, yet they're all still in Dallas. It's just injuries and stuff has piled up. So, and a retirement for Ben Bishop. So where does that leave the Leafs? They're in talks with the New York Islanders for Semyon Varlamov. I don't really know what direction those talks are going in. Lou Lamorello sticking to a high asking price on the Russian netminder. He does like the tandem there that he has with Ilya Sorokin, but they've been showcasing him these past couple of days. I saw a funny tweet today that was like, not really buying into the fact that these Varlamov starts have been showcases. How much do you need to showcase a 10-year NHL veteran in that? And I agree with that. I mean, I don't think that these GMs are changing their mind on a player like Varlamov today, tomorrow, or the next day ahead of the deadline, but he is getting some starts. He is getting to show what he can do. And it really comes down to whether Kyle Dubas wants to pull the trigger on Semyon Varlamov or if he goes the defensive route. This is without Flurry in play, by the way. Let me just preface this. By yeah, saying, Flurry, you, I think everybody and their brother knows now that Flurry is sort of the number one. He's the guy. And, and if he's not right. in for whatever And he's reason, that, that guy across the league, too. And with, with Holtby basically all but staying in Dallas, you have to imagine that that Flurry price just went up as well. Went up. Not even raised not the Varlamov even, price as well. Yeah. Yeah, not even thinking about the emotional side of it with Flurry. Like, hey, I have to want to go to your team before we do anything. Yeah, so. and if he doesn't want to go to Toronto, I think the pressure now is on Kyle Dubas to either pull off a Varlamov deal or look outside and say we're going to fix the defense, whether that's Ben Sherratt, whether that's bringing in a Calvin DeHaan from Chicago and working on the depth there on the blue line and just adding names that they can, hey, we we don't have that number one guy. Maybe you could say Morgan Riley is, but we have just a bunch of, Five, six, seven guys, and we're just deep, right? We have NHL caliber defensemen, you know, up the up the yin yang. So they'll be fine there. But it's a decision that Kyle Dubas has to make, and that's why the Leafs and the Islanders have been talking about Varlamo for the last couple of days. What does that mean for a guy? Um, you know, kind of a not not a scoop scoop, but a soft scoop in Buffalo. Like we'll know we'll know Anderson's future here soon. Um, I I think this is just me. I think it's a trade, but it's going to be to where Craig Anderson would want to go. Yeah. But what does that mean for a guy like Craig Anderson, who show, who has showcased himself the last couple of games, uh, a guy like maybe an Alexander Yorgiev, maybe like Ilya Samsonov, that next tier of goalies, are we waiting for that domino to fall with? Flick? Absolutely. Because that determines a lot of what these contenders are going to do in net. And, you know, to a guy like Yorgiev, there's concerns about, him playing well. He just hasn't been good lately. With Craig Anderson, this concerns about health. He's 41 years old. You're going to bring him in. If you're if you're planning on using him as your number two for the playoff run, you got to be sure he's going to stay healthy for that. And that's not a knock against him or Georgiev for that matter. It's just each one of these goalies now come with baggage, whether it's age, whether it's prowess. Martin Jones, another guy that's inconsistent, that's a UFA, that's on the market for Philly. So there's guys that are in that second tier of goaltending class. Arizona, we've teased it on the show many times about what they're going to do with Carol Vomelka. 
in uh, in Arizona. We know there's the decision to be made there. What happens if he's in play? Is he more of a Georgiev, Craig Anderson type guy? Probably, but it's still interesting because they'll need a netminder as well. So that could be a name that enters the list. Mackenzie Blackwood's name popped up as of recent as a guy that could potentially be on the move. I'm not sure New Jersey's looking to do that right now. What I know is that New Jersey has been extremely active over the past couple of months in the defensive mark. I mean, the goaltending market, I should say, looking for not only just a sieve that can step up and play games, but also a guy that can push Mackenzie Blackwood. I don't know if they are convinced that he's the guy. I think getting a solid, really solid 1B with potential to work with Blackwood at least into the summer and then kick that decision down the line is what New Jersey's looking to do. So there's goaltenders available. I think there's a goaltender for each. If you really, if we want to play the game or we start drawing pairs up, I think you can find somebody for everybody on this market. But I think the kingpin is flurry, and that's got to fall first before you know the chips will lie. A uh, a player who is now off the market is Josh Manson, your newest Colorado Avalanche defender. Going back is Drew Hellison and a 2023 second round pick to the Ducks. Does this signal that Anaheim? Uh, has flipped on the open neon NRD. Well, he's a UFA. I wouldn't necessarily this means that uh, I wouldn't necessarily say this means that Anaheim is just we're rebuilding still fire sale. You know, come get whoever you want if you pay enough. I still think they're strictly looking to move the UFAs there. The next up is Hampus Lindholm, who, as we've said here, I think they've been wanting to keep over the past couple of weeks, or at least been attempting to keep him in the fold. Still think there's ways away to go there. I think Pat Verbeek this morning actually post pregame skate because they're playing the Rangers tonight mentioned that there's ways to go there. So right from the shots to uh, Petrov by the way, little boots on the ground with Sweeney interest in Lindholm there you go. as well. Potential there. Potential. Shots to Petrov. Potential. But you know, straight from the horse's mouth, Verbeek says there's still ways to go between you know Lindholm and their camp. So we'll watch that. Ricard Raquel still out with a body injury, upper or lower. Couldn't tell you because, you know, everything's Fort Knox when it comes to injuries in this league, which is a shame. But discussion for a different time. He's available. He's a UFA. He's in play. So I still think the Ducks are more likely to move their UFAs. I think they're going to hold on to the assets that they have. I don't think they're necessarily going to sell because they're still in the rebuild. They'll just go as far as, you know, these young guys take them this season. But the interesting names were Cal. We've talked about the New York Rangers ad, ad nauseum here. They're in New York tonight. Who knows? Maybe Chris Drury and Pat Verbeek talk it over. If you're if your guy, or I think we talked about this last week, but to a name like uh, Nicholas Delorier on New York as well, I I think that's a that's a little bit of jam, you know, to steal a phrase from everybody and their brother on that lineup. And then there's a guy like Match Comtois, who obviously has fallen out of favor in Anaheim and could go to somewhere else to change a scenery player and light it up. Yeah. Well, he's one of those Especially guys. Especially in a that, playoff run. I'm not sure if he's UFA at the end of the season. You might have to check fact check me on that. I am fact checking you as we speak. He, Match Comtois is an RFA at the end of the 2024 there season. There you go. So he's under control, but he two million. They don't though. really love him in that organization no. anymore. We knew that since day one. So that's coming to a head as well. Maybe it's a change of scenery type guy, like you mentioned, but I don't think Anaheim's open season as much as, hey, you know, the smart thing to do is we're not going to win a Stanley Cup this year, so we'll just sell off the UFAs we have. Maybe if they want to come back in the offseason, we're not opposed. How about a name like Ryan Getzlaff? It's a hard trade, though. 
Does he want to do like I don't I don't I, think you, he wants to go and it's a hard deal to pull off, right? Because it's similar to the Claude Giroux aspect in a heart and soul guy for that organization. But like it is. Like Corey Perry, losing Corey Perry was big for that organization. But gets off the captain a whole nother level there. So I can't see them making that move now. I think we would have heard about that. I don't think that's something that springs up upon a guy six days before the deadline. I think Corey, I think Ryan Getzloff had to have made that decision months ago. Maybe he did, and you know the Ducks have done a great job at pulling the veil over everybody's eyes. But I think that's something that has to be determined months and months ago and look for the best fit for him. I don't think that's something that, hey, four days before the deadline, Getzloff, you're looking at yeah. leave Anaheim after 20 years. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. It would have to be literally the perfect situation. So I, in my opinion, Getzlaff is closer to a chair at a desk um, on a network, perhaps, than he is a different team than Anaheim. Uh, the other side of that trade was Colorado NRD. They are, you know, they're obviously an incredible team, but Landis Cog's out now, and they have Bowen Byram's dealing with his stuff. Now they add Josh Manson. But they lose Drew Hellison, who I really liked as a prospect, by the way. So did the Flyers. What does this... Yeah, I, I imagine that might have been part of whatever a Drew trade looked like. So where does this leave Colorado in terms of adding Manson for sort of a run they're about to make? And where does this leave them in the Colorado sweepstakes? Or in the uh, the the Giroux sweepstakes? Excuse well, me. not privy really to what's going on in Joe Sackick's brain right now. But you would like to speculate and think that because they moved Drew Hellison, they're not moving Barron now in a deal. So if that's the case and they hold on to Baron, where do you go in the Claude Giroux sweepstakes? Do you hope that the price drops a little bit? Do you give up the 2023 picks that, you know, might be sufficient enough for Chuck Fletcher and the Flyers organization? They're not out of out of the Claude Giroux sweepstakes yet. And I know Pierre Lebrun tweeted that. And I know some others have said, maybe what does this do now? Because Hallison's not there. Just because the Flyers like Hallison doesn't mean he was the only guy in their organization as, you know, the pin in that in that deal. I think there's many other avenues they can go in, and they have the cap space now with with Landeskog and LTIR. They can pull that off. I don't think it's a concern anymore to get that you know to have that daily accrual of cap space into Monday morning. So they can make a deal. I still think they're in the weeds on it. I think that there's other teams in play. I wonder about St. Louis lurking. St. Louis, just like the Rangers, who have been in and out on the Sharu thing, are two teams that I thought that. Maybe are appealing to Philly in that they can offer assets for both Giroux and Justin Braun, as they're both in the market. Both the Rangers and the Blues are interested in the center market and the defensive market. And I wonder if paying a premium for both those rentals means something to Chuck Fletcher. How about our friends down in Florida who seem to be connected pretty heavily at this point? A favorite, right? Like what's there to talk about Florida? We know how deeply that Danny Briere has been scouting their farm team. I think they're affiliated with the Charlotte Checkers right now and the Charlotte Checkers. But they've been scouting them you know, with tremendous fervor, trying to see what's going on in their prospect pool. And I think they continue to do so. Nothing new. I, it's a cop-out answer, right? Because we're sitting here on March 15th, the deadline's the 21st. But I don't think there's anything new about the Florida Panthers' pursuit of Claude Giroux other than they're a front-runner. Does the Colorado deal of Hellison, you know, going the other way to Anaheim change things for that path? Absolutely. doesn't mean they're out of it. It's still the two teams. And then you trickles down to you know the rangers the blues the the bruins all these other teams it's pretty much the same scenario that's played out over the past you know month or so i think that the deck deck chairs are just constantly being reshuffled yeah and i want to say that that is elliot who's starting to bang that florida drum pretty hard at this point yeah. makes sense um 
Let's go to a guy. We we mentioned him off the top, but that's Ben Sherratt. He is being held out as a healthy scratch tonight, a.k.a. a bubble wrap game for Ben Sherratt. He's obviously played his last game as a Canadian. Do you know where he'll be playing his next game? I don't know where because the deal isn't imminent at this point. I still believe there's five or six teams in play. You all can probably tell me the teams by now. It's the same suspects, the St. Louis Blues, the New York Rangers, the Boston Bruins, the Florida Panthers, yada, 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 so on and so forth. So it's the contenders. I can't forget our Twitter friends who say the Penguins are heavily involved as well. Yeah, I'm not too sure about that one. I think Penguins <laughs> okay. Have, okay, I had to throw No, it. I get it. I, I get it. I'm not too sure. I say consider the source um, on some of that stuff. I still think that Ronnie Hextall is true to his word, that he doesn't have to do anything. I don't think it's – and as we said last week, I think it's because he really can't do much. We know from Elliott um, that they tried to make things work between Pittsburgh and Vancouver. Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford have a couple of guys in Pittsburgh that they really like. John Marino was one of them. Um, but unfortunately, they're having trouble getting the money and the deal to work. I think it's more so a wish list of guys that they like out of Pittsburgh. And Ron Hexel's like, you know, can't just give them to you for free. So I think that's where that's stalling out. But easy on Pittsburgh. Yes, on the other contenders, five or six of them for maybe the Kings. You could throw the LA Kings in on Sherratt. I don't think that's a secret there. Um, and that's where we stand. I think a deal gets done before the, he- before the deadline. I think that's a, something that we hear about Friday, Saturday this week. Let's stay in Pittsburgh. You did mention John Marino. Another guy that has kind of been making the rounds is like if if it's money in, money out, is, is Kasperi Kapanen at risk for leaving. And I, I tend to agree that he's very much the, the sort of the odd man out in this win-now season. But there's got to be a lot of teams that want a guy like Kasperi Kapanen, right? Absolutely. There's one team in mind, and this is what, you know, hashtag makes sense on this show. Sure. Good friend of Casper uh, Kapanen, Brandon Tanev in Seattle. Mm. Seattle's a team that could add, right, for the future years to come. They have some assets. Kapanen's a, uh, an RFA at the end of this season, by the way, so you have you rights. You have rights. You have a gritty forward in Cali Yarncroft that's been appealing to some of these contenders. And I know Ron Hextall can't do much, but if he could swing Kapanen that way to link him up with his good mm-hmm. friend Tanev in Seattle, and bring in a Cal Yardcrock, or maybe even if the Penguins are in the defensive market, swing a Hayden Flurry or swing a Vince Dunn. Just saying, like I said, makes sense. That's what we do here on the show, as well as the rumors. But it's just something to keep an eye out for. I believe Kaepernick was just healthy scratch the other night in, uh, in Pittsburgh, which should tell you all you need to know about how the organization feels about him right now and his role as they make a playoff push here. Hey, Jeff Skinner was a healthy scratch for, for weeks. Jeff Skinner's, a good, 40, Jeff Skinner's a good hockey I, player. I, am, I know. I like to bust the balls of people that wrote Jeff Skinner off as the worst contract of all time. Is he worth $9 million? Probably not. Is he not worth being on a team? Absolutely not. Wade so, Redden wins the I'm worst sorry. contract of all time. <laughs> uh, Bobby Bonilla. Take that They're one. still paying him. Rick DiPietro. Um, okay, let's go. You you mentioned the Kings uh, looking at Sherratt. I think the Kings are looking uh, out there as buyers way earlier in, in sort of a rebuild than anybody expected. They're, they're probably, if you listen to the percentages, they're probably going to make the playoffs. And we mentioned this, you know, a month or two ago at this point. And we said the Kings and the and the, the Dutch, I want to say check the tape, I think we said one of those two teams is going to make the playoffs in the West. Yeah, no, we did. So it's sort of emerged as the Kings. The problem with them is that they're getting bit by the injury bug. 
So while they've put in a, a great run here, just this past weekend, Dustin Brown and Drew Doughty are added to the list with Victor Robertson and Athana Siu and Brennan Lemieux. So now you're in a position where, okay, well, it's cool that we have tap room and we will have tap room, and we have a ton of assets beneath us in the prospect pool. But how do you deploy those so that you know you're kind of in a, a you're able to win this year? Do you need to win this year? Probably not. But uh, where do you you know what that, that's a long way of saying what do you make of the Kings and their next week and Rob Blake? They're in play for Jacob Chikrin. We know that Jacob Chikrin is one of those names that they're in play for. We talked about Ben Sherrod just minutes ago. Their team, to me, they poached one center from Montreal already in Philip Deneau. Would they go back to that well on Arturi Lekkinen and then move out of Tennessee? I don't hate it. Tennessee in Montreal would be a hometown kid, so I think he, I think he would like That's it. That's maybe, maybe not even in the same deal, but that is a potential option for L.A. under the radar. They know what they have in Deneau is a good player. You bring in Lekkinen, he's another guy to add as a depth piece to that organization. Yes, it kind of contradicts what we said last week about finding the room for some of those highly touted prospects that get into the lineup. But if you want to hedge on you know, the rebuild and have the potential to win now, Arturi Lekkinen is one of those guys that can really help you. I said it all along. With Chikrin, in terms of Chikrin, they have company. I'll just leave it at Arturi that. Arturi Lekkinen, whoever gets him, wins the Stanley Cup. That's my cold stove promise. And you know what I will do in that instance, NRD? So whatever team Arturi Lekkinen goes to, I will bet on through our friends over at DraftKings. Teams have been fighting all season long to secure their shot at being crowned a champion. Just as the teams are in pursuit of glory, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a shot at royalty with 40 to 1 odds on any college basketball game. That's bet $5 on any college basketball team to win their next game, and if they win, DraftKings will pay out $200 in free bets. The DraftKings Sportsbook has nearly endless ways to get in on the action from the same game parlays to future betting. You can feel the sweat with DraftKings now. Everyone can enter DraftKings' free $1 million March Mania Survivor Pool, but must enter before tip-off on March 19th. Each day of games, pick one team that you think will win that day, and if the team you choose wins, you survive to pick another team for the next day of games. Remember, you can only choose each team once, so choose carefully for your shot at $1 million in total prizes. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code WASHED, which will allow you to throw down just $5 on the college basketball game of your choice and get $200 in free bets if that team wins. That's code WASHED at the DraftKings Sportsbook, and please see uh, below in the show notes for the legal requirements. I have to point that out very much so. Okay, back to hockey. We mentioned uh, a couple teams that we liked, a couple teams buying, a couple teams selling. A team that's as busy as any is Vancouver. Now, two new names sort of to this list, maybe not new to people in Vancouver, but sort of new to the, the Twitter rumor mill, are Tyler Myers and Mr. Mott along with Halak and Miller and Besser, and you name it. Anything new in Vancouver that sort of tickles your fancy, NRD? I told you, I gave up talking about Patrick Alvin <laughs> and Jim Rutherford and the Vancouver Canucks. Everything's 50-50. That's, at least that's what they want out there in the media, everything being 
nothing new, really, right? It's where we stand. I think that I'm happy to see that the Pavel Zaka stuff cooled off. I'm not saying, you know, dead on arrival, but it's cooled off tremendously. I don't think that Zaka for Besser trade is still in play like it once was, because that would have been stupid for Vancouver to do, just my opinion. But a couple names still available. I still, you know, if you listen to some people, you would have thought that JT Miller trade would have been done months ago. Fair. And we're getting closer and closer. And uh, there's a bottle of champagne I'm going to pop if they don't move him. Because I'm very proud of myself for doing the investigative work that some of these reporters don't have the integrity to do. And really getting to the bottom of what's going on with JT Miller. And I still think it's 50-50 to this day. I, I don't think that they're in any rush to move a guy that's under contract that's playing well for them. I really don't. I, I'm looking forward to seeing what Vancouver does. I've always had a soft spot for Vancouver. I don't know why. I think it's the uh, the Marcus Naslin sort of era Vancouver Canucks that just uh, they kind of do it for me. Um, and cool jerseys back in the day. Remember the Orca jumping out of the... The Orca? I, you, was like, you were a fan of that red to blue yeah, gradient kinda was. jersey? Yeah, it kind of was. Yeah. Like the early 2000s? I enjoyed that one. That was like, was like the, a... the, the, color, the colorway for like every NHL EA sports game from 2000 to 2004. Yeah, that red to blue kind of wit. Yeah, that gradient. Somebody made it on Microsoft Paint. Incredible. Uh, staying in Canada, but a couple guys that I think, you know, 32 teams around the league would like to have are Andrew Kopp and Paul Stasny, both of which are UFAs and both of which are on a team that is not going to win the Stanley Cup this year, probably, if not likely. Do you see that the, that they're in play sort of under the radar in Winnipeg and, and kind of you know, Winnipeg as a whole being under the radar this season after sort of sputtering to a, a not as well done season. And you lose Paul right. Maurice as well, you know, to resign. So I believe cops nursing yes, injury yes. right now. We're not really sure how long that's going to keep him out. I think Kevin Sheveldayoff has his breath held right now to see what he's got in that asset. And then Paul Stastny, Paulie Walnuts, wouldn't he be a perfect Boston Bruins? Ooh, okay. Okay, I was going to say perhaps a uh, a return to the mountains maybe if they're blue you know what that means the mountains are blue it's ready to go man can you not see colorado yeah absolutely if they fall apart and drew and jt miller i don't know i kind of like even because they did a deal very similar they made a deal very similar in years past it's called Derek broussard to the colorado avalanche i don't think they're gonna acquire Derek broussard this can't imagine but stassing reminds me of that type of player this, you know, he's this year's version of Derek Broussard. So, yeah, I don't think it's off the cards. I just. Well, speaking of, speaking of just, Colorado, you know, I guess we have breaking news. We do. Let's break the, this. Chris Johnson reporting that Minnesota has acquired Tyson Jost from Colorado for Nico Stern. Little. There you go. That's another little one name. for one. Another name, by the way, who was kicked around in the Claude Giroux deal was Tyson Jost. Tyson Jost. Which. I'm looking at Tyson Jost's cap hit as we speak. Two two million for the next two years and then RFA after the twenty twenty three season. So that's a I mean I liked I like Tyson Jost trade. a lot. That just doesn't seem like, you know, a trade deadline trade, right? That seems like sort of a, a an off season trade, I guess, but hey. Like that happened in June, like a week before the draft. Yeah. But maybe Nico Sturm was the problem in that Minnesota organization all the time. <laughs> I'm kidding. 
all, all respect to him. I'm thinking, but, remember Marco you know, Sturm and, and the back in the day when he was the he was headlining the uh, the German team at the Olympics every year. He'd have like eight points against Switzerland. Elite, yeah. elite Marco yes. Sturm. No, but Bill Guerin said he doesn't have to make a move just for the sake of making a move, and the locker room's gonna have to work themselves out of this funk that they've been in. And does that counter? Does that contradict what he said? Is that making a move for the sake of making a move? Is that changing the scenery? Yeah. Yeah, right? I guess. I yeah. I mean, Tyson Jones, former top ten pick, hasn't played up to that potential. I think he could turn around in Minnesota. To be a, a fly on the wall with Sackick and Garrett on a phone call, though, huh? Couple, uh, couple That'd of guys fun. going at it there. Okay, that's enough breaking news. We'll we'll try to do more as this week goes on. But the last team I wanted to get to before we uh, kind of get to the end here is Chicago. It's gonna they're gonna have an interesting week there. Obviously, we mentioned Flurry. Obviously, we know that Mark Andre Flurry is a target for. Toronto and, you know, every team that's got a shot, if you will. They're probably calling on Marc-Andre Fleury. You mentioned Calvin DeHaan. I want to mention Brandon Hagel. And Chief wants to mention, shouts to Barstool Chief, he wants to mention Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves, who uh, on a certain Spit and Chicklets episode, Kane might have been connected to the Rangers tangentially. I don't know if that was for entertainment or what, but I think Chief wanted to demiss those rumors. Uh, and then the other person I mentioned is Jonathan Taves. Taves said he, uh, or excuse me, Chief said it could be interested if Colorado may call on Jonathan Taves. Anything in Chicago outside of the flurry talk we've had on this episode? Everybody wants to talk about Patrick Kane right now. I feel bad for Chief. I know. I think he made that video just because he wants looks to show great. Off his haircut. He's got great hair. We all know that. He looks good, but. It's an off-season move. I agree with everything Elliot Friedman said. He's another one of those guys. It's it's hard to move a guy that's been in the organization for that long, like that has a no movement clause and that has, you know, performed so well for that team for so long. It's hard to just three days before the deadline start working on a deal of that caliber. It's just not as easy as it looks. And what does that deal look like? He's getting up there in age, but he's under contract for five more years. Can the Rangers even afford that? No, I, that's why I don't think it, there's anything to it. You'd have to move out. You'd have to say we're not resigning Capo Caco. Capo Caco's going the other way, right? At minimum, maybe Alexei Lafreniere, but Capo Caco's going the other way because you can't afford him at that point. I'll tell you what. I think. I think. I think well, he's got a better so, chance of being a Buffalo Saber than he does a New York Ranger. All right. I, I don't, I'm not saying I even want him. I know he's an unbelievable player, but I don't think he exactly fits into that rebuild with with the way they're going right now. You'd want to be the captain. Alex Tuck needs to be the captain. By the way, it's 1.3 that the Colorado Avalanche saved on that deal, acquiring Stern. They saved 1.3. So you have to think this is sort of that's a setup move, right? Because they because that's a they to bring they up. obviously like Marco or Nico Stern for Tyson Joe straight up does not make sense. So that means that there is something else in the works. Um, yeah, it's a precursor. Last player before I, I have two post show notes after this. But last player I wanted to talk about with you was getting your thoughts on Jake DeBrusque and what the latest whiz is with him. So where do you see Jake DeBrusque going and why? Or not going? I still think not going. And I still think that's because Don Sweeney is clearly, right? I don't care who you believe out there. But as, you know, the world turns, as this whole saga has evolved, it's apparent that we've been hitting the right chords here on this show that Don Sweeney has stuck to his guns about wanting a roster player in return for Jake Brusk. 
Jake DeBrusque, not just picks because the kid requested a tree. And I think that's where we stand today again. If a really solid forward falls into the lap of Don Sweeney, center, I should say, falls into the lap of Don Sweeney and a change of scenery move for Jake DeBrusque, yeah, I think you can see one of those deals go down in the next four or five days. But these teams that are, hey, we'll give you his offer sheet value at two and a three or whatever for DeBrusque because he wants a trade. I don't think Don Sweeney's interested in that. And he hasn't been, and I still don't think he is. So I think that's where we stand on Jake DeBrusque. Elliot did mention that it's 50-50 on whether they move him at this point, and it's there's a possibility he stays. Yeah, no shit. Um, I guess that's all I could say on that. Anything else you have, NRD, that may be percolating in that that rumor mill of yours that maybe I didn't read off in, in my notes here, but you anything is there any inklings there before we get into our next episode, which will either be Thursday or Friday, and then trade deadlines Monday, which we'll be live for at some point. But anything that you're kind of kicking around or, or anything you're chasing right now? Just keep an eye on the Carolina Hurricanes in the defensive market. Okay. Maybe a name that we know, maybe a name that we don't. But they've been working the phone since Tony D'Angelo went down with a with an upper body injury. I think he tore a, tore a core muscle or sprained <sighs> a core muscle, um, taking a shot from a point. So he's been out for at least two or three weeks now at this point. Should be another couple of weeks. Maybe a dark horse for Chickren. Okay. Carolina Hurricanes. They have the assets. We know that they're willing to spend if it brings them, you know, good players. And I think the asking price has been ridiculous on Chikrin. But if there's a team that pays it, it might be the Carolina Hurricanes. And mine will be watch those 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 pesky Buffalo Sabers buying at the deadline. They'll sell too, obviously, but watch uh watch them making some purchases. Okay, NRD two show notes for afterwards. One Breaking news uh, from the Senate cloakroom. Passed by unanimous consent, Sunshine Protection Act as amended to make daylight savings time permanent. How about that? And number two, in more uh, hockey news, this is from Craig Morgan. West Coast Hockey Sports and Entertainment launching an elite junior hockey league focused on the Western United States. The Kings, Sharks, Ducks, and Knights are involved with 6 to 12 founding franchises in 2023-2024. And this sort of gets to my point where the U.S. should be a dominant junior hockey uh, market with much more formalized uh, structure. Anything on this besides uh, I'm excited and I need to now make the cold stove graphic where I do all the junior hockey teams. I'm still waiting on that graphic. I don't know where it's been. Uh, uh, it's in it's in pre it's in pre production. I'll put it that way. With, can we get this going after the deadline? I think it's something we should work on after. The I deadline. absolutely, absolutely. I'll help you out on that. Um, I think that the, the governing body USA Hockey is like that Arthur meme right now. They're just a fist. I think they're angry that they weren't the ones to get on this first and make this announcement. Um, but it's good. The more chances that teams have to develop prospects, and I'm not just talking NHL teams, but junior teams and youth teams, the more opportunities that they have especially on the west coast to develop these kids into yeah. players for the you know the usa hockey system and the nhl and the ahl for that matter is great and i'm glad to see the four organizations in the league are getting involved as well with their resources and financial backing no doubt absolutely no doubt this is nothing but a good thing for the league this is nothing to, you know maybe the the people who complain are the chl and the ushl but um nothing but good things here because that you, you look at it, this would be in like the Austin Matthews league, for example, right? Where he would grow up in Scottsdale. He would go to play for the junior Kings and, and they would play some Memorial cup style 
game against either the USHL's best or the Q's best or the W's best. Like there is nothing but good things here. Keeping homegrown talent in their cities or in their region, right? And being able to develop NHL caliber hockey players. Absolutely. And then you have more guys. I mean, we talk about, oh, how great would it be if Austin Matthews plays home in Arizona one day? You'll have guys that get to do that now more than ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, they probably won't be in Arizona. They'll be in Austin, hopefully. But Well, hey, that's a perfect league for Austin to have a team in. Absolutely. Just to gauge and, interest. Yeah, and sort of it's the 16 to 20-year-old age group. Well, guess where there's a lot of 18 to 20-year-olds? Austin, Texas. I think it would be a uh, an attractive market, if you will. Don't disagree. For a bunch, of, a bunch of junior hockey kids going to play in front of UT fans. How's that for for uh, a fun couple of winters where don't it's disagree, 70 yeah. it's 74 and you can golf in december there you go i don't disagree either nrd that's going to do it for cold stove anything else before we bounce nope looking forward to seeing you later on this week two weeks and then uh once again stay tuned for the surprises we have monday on board surprises indeed i am brett merriman at schmerriman on twitter that's nrd at nhl rumors daily on Twitter, we are at Cold Stove Pod on Twitter. Shoot us some questions for the shows, some scenarios that you might like to see, some predictions maybe. And uh, we'll see you guys uh, probably Thursday. Sound good? Sounds good with me. See you then.